0: are listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about today's issues from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. Pastors Wade Lentz and Harold Smith are your hosts, and now, let's get started. Hello
1: and welcome to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. I am your co-host, the fresh garden tomato eaten pastor, Harold Smith, pastor at Lee Creek Baptist Church, joined as always by my good friend, Wade Lentz from Barrel Baptist Church in Bologna. Wade, have you had a garden fresh tomato yet?
0: No, but I'm, I'm jealous.
1: Well, I boast in the Lord and in the garden. That's about the two things <laughs> I like to talk and brag about this time of year. And uh, there's nothing better than the first homegrown tomato because it's been six months or so since you've had one right off the vine. Yeah. And I I could literally walk down the rows with a salt and pepper shaker and just pull them and and eat them at room temp or or, or outside temp. I love a good tomato, but by the end of garden season, I'm sick of them. And uh, that's why the good Lord gave us seasons, everything in its season. (laughs) Great topic today. We are going to talk about funding missions Outside of the Southern Baptist Convention, and
0: is we that gave possible?
1: our th- uh, is it possible? <laughs> it was before 1845.
0: Oh, okay, you know? okay. I wasn't sure about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you and I did a podcast a week or so ago, kind of wrapping up our thoughts of of the Southern Baptist Convention. Since that podcast, a lot of people have contacted us and said, "Hey, how do you?" how do you do missions? I mean, they don't know any other way than through the convention. I mean, that have you not received some calls and some emails? Yes, I and, have. Yeah, I have too. Yes. And let me just be real real upfront and, and honest. Wade and I, neither one, participate in the convention. We haven't in several years. Um, your church has been out for a while. Our church has been out for a while, but there are some real advantages to being in the cooperative program. Mm -hmm. Um, the biggest advantage I would say is to the missionaries who know that they have the full, you know, financial support of the Southern Baptist convention behind them. They know they're not going to get stranded in East Africa somewhere. They know they're not going to be stranded wherever they send them the money to, to bring them back and their families back is there. Uh, you're pulling from a very big pool of churches. I mean, uh many people have said and rightfully so when the cooperative program is healthy and functioning as it should there's no greater missionary uh, entity in the world sure and i would agree with that the problem that we're dealing with today is that it's becoming more and more influenced by crt you know mm. it, there's it's not healthy right and, and most southern baptists would agree with you that it's not healthy and so people are like, well, how do we do this? You know, you and I had looked at Tom Askell's article, and I thought Tom brought out some great points. And you don't have to send money through the cooperative program. You can pick an entity and send money directly to the entity and still be a cooperating member and friendly cooperation of the convention. The problem with that is it's getting really hard to pick an entity that's not influenced in some way by pragmatism or CRT. So I say all that to say cooperative program has its perks, mm-hmm. but I would also say that funding missions, the way your church does, and even a little bit differently of the way our church does also has its perks. Wouldn't you agree? Yes.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And you're right. The cooperative program giving, uh, it does have a big advantage to the missionary, as you just stated but it also has a big disadvantage to the churches. And the reason being is because the way the SBC operates through the cooperative giving program is that there is a big gap. There's a big gulf between the giver and the receiver. It is very difficult for the church to put a name to where their money is going. Uh, Missionaries just do not come and visit. The churches really do not know who their missionaries are. They just give blindly, which really, it it makes it difficult on establishing that missionary church relationship that I believe is biblical. Precedent in it in uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, where Paul is sent out, he and Barnabas out of the church at Antioch, they're sent out, they do the missionary journey, And then they come back in Acts chapter 15, and they give a detailed report to that local church who sent them out and invested in their ministry. And they gave a detailed report of how that missionary journey went. And I'm going to tell you, that has, it transformed our missions giving. It excited our people. They have a missionary that they can talk to and shake hands and hug and pray for specifically, it really transformed our missions giving for sure. Right. And so how how do y'all do missions?
1: We ended up there the same journey the way you did. Um, I just saw uh, one church being the sole sender and not the sole supporter, but the, the the accountable church. And then you read constantly in Paul's letters about receiving funds from a multitude of churches. But Paul's ultimately accountable, and Barnabas are accountable to Antioch. And so that led me to say, you know what, we we need to find missionaries that are accountable, not to a board of directors that are appointed by a committee on committees, that is appointed by an elected president. We need to find somebody that's accountable to the highest institution on the earth, the local church. So once we came to that conclusion, the next question is, how do you get funds? Because we can no longer just write a check and mail it to Little Rock, they spend a little bit send it to Nashville they send a little bit you know spend a little bit send it to Atlanta so the way we did it at first was we took the percentage that we used to send to the cooperative program and we split it up between two or three missionaries and we just we just sent money to basically other mission boards and churches and then i said you know we really need to be more intentional about our mission giving the idea of just sending a percentage is the way i was raised that's the southern baptist way but when you look at Paul's instruction, he's telling the churches to set aside specific money for missions. So I was also reading about how Charles Spurgeon funded missions. And Spurgeon, in his years at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, had 52 mission causes. And each Sunday night they would take up an offering for mission causes. And I mean, if we wouldn't, we wouldn't be sending much support if we did it once a week, but What we decided to do was once a month pick a mission cause, and we have 12 mission causes that we support, and it started out on Sunday nights, and we don't have Sunday night services anymore. If you haven't listened to our podcast on that, I highly recommend it. Hmm. But on Wednesday nights, we discuss our missionary for the month. I remind the church of who he is. We have a, a place in our church with mission boxes set up. You can deposit your offering that goes to that missionary that month. We post updates from those missionaries there. So each month we're supporting a different missionary and a different mission cause, and it is voluntarily given. Uh, so you'll you'll put an offering in the the Sunday morning offering plate that funds the work of the church. Some missions are funded through the the budget of the church, but most of our missions giving is by free will offerings on um, uh, to a different missionary each month. And mm-hmm. like I said, I stole the model off Spurgeon. Uh, what that did for us is we went from giving a percentage and I think we started out doing like eight or nine percent. So now instead of trying to get a calculator out and sending somebody a check for some oddball amount, we just empty these these collection uh, boxes every week at the end of the month whatever that total is we send it to that missionary and to echo what you were saying our church knows these missionaries they've been in our church not all of them but many of them have been here they've held their babies you know they they, they have uh, they message back and forth on social media yes. they're up to date they know so they give sacrificially because they have a personal vested interest in the missionary mm-hmm And so that has been tremendous. And I'll just say now our missions giving today is three to four times what it was when we just wrote a check every month and mailed it off. Sure. And the reason for it is that people are giving on top of their support of the church, they're giving additional monies to each month to these various mission causes. And it allows them the freedom to, support more or less a specific mission cause, you know, if something they really agree with is important to them, they may want to give more. If it's something they don't agree with, they may want to give less. Um, that's the way we've done it. And I'm not saying that everybody should do it that way. I know you guys do it differently, but Mm -hmm. that's just our, that's our approach. And, And our plan in the future is to maybe break that up and do every, every two weeks, you know, as our offerings grow and maybe do the missionaries, some missionaries we support a couple of months out of the year. If they we know they they are underfunded, we try to send them more. But as our church grows, we'll go from once a month to maybe every two weeks. You know, we are flexing that way. So so yeah. how does Beryl do it? Because I know you do it completely different. And and there's no, there's no one way to collect funds for a mission. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And let let me just quickly say to any pastor who's listening to us and you are contemplating uh, changing up the way you do missions due to the direction the SBC is going. Hey, listen, if you want to increase the excitement of missions, if you want to increase the missions giving, this is how you do it. You put missionaries in front of their face. You put Flesh and blood in front of them and let them see where their money is going, and it will excite the church. But yeah, we do things a little bit different. We do what they call faith promise missions, faith promise giving, which is taken out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. I won't go in great detail, but uh, Grace Community Church, uh, John MacArthur. Uh, who's the pastor there, they also do this model of missions giving. But this is missions giving that an individual pledges to give over and above their tithe to missions. And it's all based upon what you have and what you have in excess over your tithe that you will give either on a weekly basis or a monthly basis to missions. And 100% of what you give and that faith promise missions offering goes to support missionaries or missions every year. Every year we have done this. We have had an increase in people participating in giving even more to missions. Something that we, as you and I both long time SBC pastors, uh, it's always been a certain percentage and uh, you did give maybe, uh, to the Lottie moon offering and to the Annie Armstrong offering and so forth, but this surpasses that tremendously. And, um, it, it's, it's really a, a blessing to see as a pastor, to see your folks getting so excited about missions and having missionaries come where they can eat with them and fellowship with them. Um, but yeah, it's, we, we do what they call the faith promise missions. And uh, it's really been a blessing for us.
1: So, so how do you distribute that money? I mean, when we take in, let's say, our, our money this month is going to uh, David Bain. Um, mm-hmm. uh, next month, I think it goes to Chapel Library, who you know, published free gospel literature. How do you then take the money? And, and I know how you do it. I just want you to, to, to declare mm-hmm. it. How do you then take that money and decide where it goes?
0: Well, we have a missions team. Uh, of about seven or eight folks who listen to each missionary's need. You know, some missionaries may uh, only need $100 monthly support. Some have a bigger need, maybe $500 monthly support. And so we take the need based upon our budget, and we present that need to the church and say, okay, here is John Smith. He is a church planter in uh, Virginia he is in need of $500 a month that's how the church votes to to do that and a lot of times that church planter will come to our church and present his ministry thanks to technology zoom we can do zoom meetings like that even on the church screen and so forth uh, so that they do not necessarily have to be here in uh, in person but uh, that's how we normally do it we have i have a uh, missions team that helps to see the different needs of the different missionaries right. that we have.
1: Right. Uh, next question. And um, I'll go first to give you a chance to think about it. How do you find missionaries? That's probably what I hear the most. Our church puts on a a conference for pastors in the summer called preachers of grace. And over the last few years, I have tried to bring in missionaries who want to be a part of that conference or, Missionaries usually reach out to us. They find us online, um, and, and they'll say, "Hey, look, I'm engaged in this work, and I'll be back in the states next year. Would you mind if I came by and talked to you?" And I'll say, "Yeah." And you know, actually, we hold a conference, and so then what I try to do at our at our pastors' conference is have some missionaries there for pastors to meet. And those missionaries reach out to me. Another way that I find missionaries is that I reach out to them. Mm -hmm. Someone will say, Hey, we're supporting a guy, or I heard about a man. I'll give you an an example of both. Uh, We support uh, a missionary in the Philippines named Barry Carpenter. I ran across him through some friends of mine who said, we're supporting a guy in the Philippines. He's doing a great work. I did a a little research and now we support him. Uh, Another way is we support a missionary in Kenya named Josh Wormley and Josh, reached out to me and said, hey, I'm actually coming home to see my parents. I haven't been in the States in three or four years. I'm going to come home for the summer. He ended up getting stuck here for all of COVID. But we, we said, well, if you're going to be here for the summer, we have this conference, come. And so through that conference, we were able not only for our church to get to know Josh, as you said, we've held his children. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've given his, his daughter a sippy cup, you know. You have this personal interaction, and then you watch them leave your church, and, and the church understands afresh and anew that this guy's taking these two sweet kids and his sweet little wife and going back around the world to a place where Christianity is despised, and he's going to engage them and evangelize them, and that's how we find them. And the Lord yeah. just providentially puts us together, and is there something else that you're doing to find them, or is it pretty no. much the same story?
0: Pretty much the same same thing. Normally, we uh, we support missionaries by recommendations from other pastors. For instance, last night our missions team did a Zoom meeting with a church planter in Homer, Alaska, and uh, I did not know this particular gentleman, Nathaniel Jolly Nathan Jolly, uh, but it was a recommendation from a pastor friend, Alan Nelson, who let me know of his need. And uh, here, here's a pastor, we won't go into it a lot, but here's a pastor that was denied support by the North American Mission Board for stupid reasons and unbiblical reasons. And uh, he's a very solid guy that our church would love to cooperate with and give with. So, but that's how we normally find our missionaries is through other recommendations from other pastors or churches. To me, that's the best way. When when I know of a grounded pastor, a biblical-minded uh, pastor that says, hey, this guy is worthy of support, that goes a long way. Now, right. That doesn't mean that we don't vet them at all. We certainly do. We want to make sure that they believe in the sovereignty of God and they preach a biblical gospel. But I have better confidence when other men recommend that person.
1: Right and and that is really a biblical model paul recommends people to churches yes. because paul personally knows them
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so it's not that we're saying that you can't cooperate with other churches no you have to cooperate with other churches and that you were all over our next you know question and I, and i'll just give you my answer to it how what is your criteria how do you vet them that's the other question that i get a lot is how do you know these guys are real? And you interview them, you talk Mm -hmm. to them, you know, if a guy is arrogant and he knows it all. And I I just say, okay, if you already know it all, you clearly don't need my help. And if, if a guy is, you know, if he's fully funded and he's got money running out his ears and he's not spending all that the Lord's churches are giving him, I just say, you know, I think we need to find someone that needs our funds better. But when it gets down to who we actually support, I can go and look at all 12 of our months of support uh, in the church, and all but one of those months goes to a church or a ministry that we would agree 100% on the gospel with. Right. So we're not supporting free will ministers. We believe in the doctrines of grace. I'm talking about as a church. Our statement of faith is the Philadelphia Baptist Confession. And we don't require all missionaries to be, you know, Philadelphia Baptist Confession believers, but we want someone that would be similar to us mm-hmm. in as many areas as possible. In that sure. one month that we don't support a ministry or a missionary that's exactly like us, we're we're supporting the uh, local pregnancy crisis center that mm-hmm. tries to rescue children from abortion and unexpected mothers, tries to encourage them to. Um, uh, you know, to, to at least give their babies up for adoption if they don't want them. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a worthy cause. All the rest of those people, I agree with uh, on the gospel. We could sit down. I would have no qualms about them coming into our church. And it's not, the gospel is not our standard of fellowship. It actually goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. I can I can rest assured that they're not letting their wives preach in their, their mission plants, you know, right, I can right. rest assured that we agree on a lot of other doctrines, including baptism, church membership. So the more that we have in common, the more comfortable we are supporting that work. Uh, another big, another big area that people really have hangups, and it's it's simply because they've never been down this road before, how do you get money to these missionaries? Do we need to co- convert this over to some African currency and transplant, hmm. you know, send right, it around right. the world? Or is this going by carrier pigeon? How do we get it there? Yeah. And so what's been your experience in that area, Wade?
0: Yeah. Normally when we support a missionary or a mission, it goes directly to the local church that has sent them out. And then they distribute that money and, you know, put that money into, Uh, that missionary's accounts, or they have a mission board uh, that holds a particular missionary accountable Um, and we also do we give to mission entities or missions for instance we give to the arkansas baptist children's home directly um, things of that nature but what we do more or less is we stop giving to the middleman and i would say the cooperative program is the middleman that has if you looked at your cooperative program giving, you would find how little your giving actually goes to missionaries. It goes to run the machine for lack of a better word. When I gave that breakdown to our church, they were like, "Oh my goodness, I thought everything that we gave to the cooperative program went to missionaries and or went to missions. I'm like, "No, no, not even close so uh." Again, it helps when you know that the money that you're giving, it cuts out the middleman. You're giving it uh, essentially to the missionary.
1: Uh, You know, interesting thing. I mentioned Barry Carpenter in the Philippines. Um, I guess it was early in the podcast, but I I got an email from the church that handles all of his support. And they said, hey, we received a check from you. And it was to go towards uh, Barry Carpenter's work. And I have a question: How do you want him to spend it? Is this for him, or is this for the uh, the school that he's building, the seminary that he's building there? And I was like, "Wow, you know, I've never had that that kind of response." And I I said, "Well, however he best needs it, you know, I'll let him make that call." Right. But every bit of that check that was mailed to that church went right into the account to Barry, and you can actually say, "Hey, I." I want to buy books with this or Bibles with this, or, you know, buy yourself something nice with this. Uh, and having that kind of designation and knowing that nobody's taking a a cut out of there really gives you a lot of confidence. And that leads right into our next question. How do you get updates from these missionaries? I'll say growing up Southern Baptist, I think I remember one missionary coming to our church and, Mm -hmm. um, I remember their story. It seems like they were in Tibet and, uh, you know, every time I thought about a missionary, their face is what popped into my mind. Mm. That was the only missionary I knew, uh, personally. So now that we support our own missionaries individually, not only do I just have a memory in my mind, but I get text messages from them when they have cell signals. I get emails from them on a regular basis. Uh, Those that are in places where communication is pretty good, we actually talk over the phone rather often. Mm -hmm. Social media is great. I get updates. I get pictures. I find out who the kids are. You know, I know what's going on. You and I, I know your church and our church support um, David Velasquez in Spain. Yes. And uh, I can see how the church building is going together. I can see that they're making progress in that. The amount of, of intimate knowledge that you have with someone in the modern age really makes knowing what's going on firsthand uh, really makes it easy for churches. Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. And normally our missionaries update us at least once a month, uh, some of them every other month, something of that nature. But we get a an update Very often so that we know where our money is going. That's a blessing. Now, when they're, when they are home on furlough, uh, they normally will stop by and visit with us in person to give us a record of what's going on and how our support is being used for the Lord. So yeah, just the update alone is tremendous. Even if it's a newsletter that really helps to keep that connection between the giver and the receiver. And, uh, that again, that's, that's the big downfall of the, uh, of the cooperative program giving to, to missions is because you really do not know what the IMB missionary is preaching in Africa. You don't know that fella. You're, you're hoping that he's been vetted enough by the IMB directors that he's, he's not preaching a social gospel or anything of that nature, but you're having to Uh, rely upon a third party to do your vetting. That's not necessarily biblical.
1: Yeah. And that really, I think for me kind of sums up and we've alluded to this, both of us have alluded to this, how missions have increased and become more and more prominent because we have this knowledge of the missionaries we support. You know, it's, it's always interesting to me when we hear from a missionary, and a lot of times I'll read their updates, especially if something dramatic has happened, you know, someone's wife dies while they're, you know, on the mission field, or they lose a child, or, you know, maybe the government has arrested them, or um, I I think about specific needs, you know, maybe they're, uh, I think about a missionary that we support on the American Gulf Coast that works with ships that come into harbor there, and, He's able to get up on those ships and pass out literature to men who are from all over the world. The most Mm -hmm. unique ministry I've ever seen, and Cecil Fayard is the the missionary there, and what he actually needed was a, a new van to haul these people around in and to haul materials in, and that request went out. People heard about it and responded, and that need was met. Within just a matter of days, he was surprised with a completely new you know, automobile to get his, his, uh, people around and, and his, his materials around that kind of interaction is what boost our giving mm-hmm. to the convention. I mean, when, I mean, not to the convention, to the missionary in the convention, it was the other way around, you know, right. everything was funded. It was budgeted. Just keep doing what you're doing. And nobody really did any more than they should. And I tried to, you know, encourage and challenge our people to increase our Lottie moon offering or increase our Dixie Jackson state offering. I I did all the things I could do, but nothing matches personal. Accountable relationship where we'd have a genuine love and affection for someone. And when they hurt, we hurt, we bear their burdens with them. You can't duplicate that any other way. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And you make a good point. You do something And I can do something that the average Southern Baptist church member cannot do. And that is name a missionary. You ask if you're a pastor and you're in the SBC, ask your church, how many of y'all can name a missionary that we support? I'm going to venture to say that it'd be zero. They can't. Through this method of giving hands-on to missionaries, you're able to call them by their name. Your church knows them by name and it's just not a big entity, but rather it's a person. And that that makes it uh, so much more real. And again, it increases the giving. And I think that I don't want to criticize anybody that's given to the cooperative
1: program. It has done a great work worldwide. No one's going to deny that. But I really want to kind of give instruction to those who have said Look, I'm done with the cooperative program. This is not for me. I I don't feel comfortable. If that's you, I'm not trying to bring you to our side. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to to run down where you are individually. If that's where you are, that's fine. I've been there. I've got friends that are there. I I hope it turns around. I really, really do. But for those who have already made their mind up, and this is a personal matter of conscience and a church matter of conscience. For those churches, those pastors, those individuals that say, look, I can no longer do this. How do I do something else? Hopefully what Wade and I have shared with you today will, you know, give you the tools to need to say, okay, there's another way to do this. Mm -hmm. And and I'll just make myself available. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I am Harold Smith, the Backwoods Baptist. You get on Twitter, you can shoot me a message. I'll be glad to help you in any way I can. You can go to our church's webpage, which is leecreekbaptist.org. You can send me an email from there. I would be glad to share with you the missionaries we support. There are missionaries that we are not able to support at this time. I would be glad to share those missionaries with you and, and let you, as an individual church and pastor, you know, vet them yourself and see if that's a work you're interested in. A lot of times, it, I, it feels like we get heavy in one area or one ministry, you know, and even though we know other good missionaries in that ministry or in that area, we really feel like we need to spend funds, you know, in a different part of the world or in a different way. So if I could be of any help to you, by all means, reach out to me. I'll be glad to share what little bit I know about what we've been doing. And I know you feel the same way, Wade, and I'll give you the last word and let you wrap it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If, if you want to look me up on Twitter, I am just I just go by my name, Wade Lentz. And uh, you can also follow us on, at the Patriot Pastors Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And feel free to give, uh, shoot us a message and get in touch with us uh, if you have any more questions. But this is a very pertinent subject, pertinent episode, based upon the fact of the direction the SBC is going and, you know, the likelihood of many pastors and churches pulling out are minimizing the giving to the cooperative program. So we pray this has been a blessing. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast.